very much, Caitlin. That's a very important point. So if we discuss the issues in Nigeria and other African countries, it's like some people say, but it's your people that you're you're saying from the same country, you're from the same group of people and they're the one inflicting the pain because the problem is the is the political system. There are a group it's more of like classism and systematic oppression essentially and uh, the the root started from the beginnings of uh, fighting for freedom so when some individuals fought, sought freedom from co the colonial masters when they got it they didn't set down a set bar to to in in to discuss the way how they were going to take on the country so they just so over time, you saw that the leaders of the of the country they were all so focused on getting as much money as they can, and we can see see today they just go into power just to grab as much money as they can from the senators to the governors to the to the president. Everybody's there to grab as much as they can, and they don't care about the people. So you see, Nigeria will be listed as one of the poorest countries in the world, and yet still it can be also listed as one of the richest countries in the world because they have the resources and stuff. They have the riches, but only a select few do actually have on the riches. Yes, Caitlin, could you add on that? Yeah, so um, another, I guess, explanation for why police brutality is so prevalent in a lot of um, African, well, post-colonial African nations would be because once the Europeans and the colonial actors came into these countries, they set up their own police regimes. And that was a foreign idea to the people who were living in the countries at that time. And then as those police regimes started to grow and eventually when colonialism was pushed out, the colonialists took their version of police, police units and police, um, I guess, attitudes, behaviors with them. And that kind of left the African nations that were um, left alone with kind of like a shaky ground onto which they built their own policing units and eventually the SARS unit. So you can kind of see that the fact that we already had a shaky foundation because of colonialism really pushed the fact that a lot of these nations are still kind of, I wouldn't say in its infancy, but it still is trying to figure out how to create a policing unit that would actually be more so helpful um, rather than hurtful to its people. So it's a little bit of a confusing aspect to, to understand. Yeah, you're very right, exactly. At the core, democracy is not our ideal way of um, governance in Africa. We have tribal, we have tribal workings and, uh, you know, governance, but when colonials came, they put a stop to that. And over years, when the colonials, so, so, so to say, left, there was a shaky ground. So you have a people who have a set part by the colonials on what to follow, but they don't really know that because that's not their true way of leadership. And they're also lost on their true way of leadership because they've strayed away from the authentic African governance. And so here we have that, that's how 
a lot of these um, Nigerian African countries rather started off and therefore they have a shaky political system up until now. So you have a bunch of people going in there kind of saying, um, well, I don't know what's going on. So let me just grab as much as I can for myself, my family and I, and uh, we don't care about the people they're going to suffer. So let's tie this in back to mental health. I want to ask, what is mental health to you? I'm going to ask Mary Claire to explain what mental health is to her and how does these issues, these, these mayhem that you see online and you probably heard of, experienced, how does it affect your mental health? I'm a very sensitive person. Um, so when I see like people hurting, already I'm affected. And to see online or on movies, um, on the media, people from my country or just people around the world, um, obviously because we have to be global, we have to be um, globally minded. We have to be mindful of everything that's happening globally, right? Um, so like seeing people suffering, especially because my family is from the East. Um, my family like fled the war um, as well. So like just seeing all the, the, the pain and the suffering that people are going through um, as a result of um, greed and um, evil, just external factors and internal as well. Um, it just, it's, it's, it's hard. And I, it, I think that it's important that if you do see these things online, it's fine if you take a break from um, media. Like after the NSARS, when the NSARS protests were really like, um, when the movement was really picking up I, like a few weeks ago, I was online for a week, but then it just became too much for me. Uh, so I took a break <laughs> from going on Instagram or uh, Twitter. I took a break because it, it, it's hurtful. And the same thing happened with the Black Lives Movement after um, after you know the Black, the Black Lives Movement in May. It, it's it's so it's important to keep that inner peace. I think that's what mental health means to me to be to to just be at peace with yourself and at peace with um with the future that you want to help build in this world. Um, and I think that kind of ties also to supporting each other. We have to as Africans, no one has your back more than another African. So we have to uh, support each other. We have to learn about what's happening in other African countries um, and just lend a help. If you, if, like, if you see what's happening in Nigeria and Namibia, we just have to just support each other, especially the youth. We have the means to do that um, with uh, how pervasive social media has become and how accessible it is to us. So, yeah, I think that's what I would say. Thank you very much. Um, so I wanted Ebon, could you discuss to me what is mental like, mental health like in in an African home? Is it do your parents really, you know, take note of that? 
do they acknowledge that is it really like a point of discussion like can you say oh my gosh i'm feeling you know depressed or emotionally distraught and get like a really receptive um response or is it kind of pushed about pushed aside brushed aside uh mental health as a nigerian and a christian it's quite something, <laughs> especially because of the fact that it's not spoken about in West Africa as a whole. I feel like mental health, in some cases, is kind of like the tooth fairy. Like, it doesn't exist to our parents. They don't think it's relevant. Uh, as a Christian, especially one from Nigeria, we kind of have this, uh, God forbid, type of energy around uh, issues surrounding mental health so it's just like oh uh, I'm not feeling good or I think I might have anxiety god forbid go pray about it you, a child of god cannot have anxiety uh, you know conversations like that so it's kind of almost like this uh, thing that happens to you because you're less of the child that god wants you to be and because of how spiritual uh, Africans tend to be, even within Christianity, it's kind of like the immediate solution is to, you know, go pray about it or uh, go talk to God about it. And despite the fact that <clears throat> this is an effective solution, especially as, you know, a Christian, if you are a Christian talking to your God about it, definitely uh, does help. But I think the denial of the existence of these issues in uh Nigerian homes is quite is quite intense. Now, for my parents, before I left Nigeria, my mom was, you know, one of the God forbid, uh, go go pray about it. And then my brother. Uh, another thing I just wanted to point to is the fact that a lot of uh, Nigerians and uh, you know Africans that you see, uh, we don't leave our countries to the Western countries because we just think uh, you know Canada's cute. <laughs> we leave because it almost seems like there's no hope for a better life except in these countries right so anyway yeah when we moved my brother was having some issues like focusing in class like typical uh things that could affect an average teenager especially when you go through so much and my mom uh found out about the fact that like his counselor was helping him get like some uh, anxiety pills and medication and all of that i remember going home from church one day and it was like a whole showdown like my mom's talking about uh it's a lie it's the devil's work and my brother's talking about no it's not like it's helping me <laughs> and i'm there in the back seat like oh lord what's going on here today like how are we gonna settle this one but i think like one practical tip I would give to any African listening out there right now that your parents is uh, quite uh, almost uh, refusing to understand mental health. I think at the end of the day, your parents are still parents. They still care about us. You just have to bring it down to their level. Now, my mom isn't the most supportive mental health uh, advocate right now, but she understands that sometimes things happen that we cannot deny so literally trying to have this open conversations with them uh goes a long way the issues don't get resolved uh immediately i remember with this entire NSARS thing like every day you wake up the first thing you're doing is checking instagram seeing what you need to repost retweet using your platform using your voice you're saying like heads of people smashed open you're saying like literally people die you're saying like bodies laying on the floor it's it's a lot to handle and 
sometimes you just need to take a break you need to you know pause and i think what helped me the most was finding a community within other nigerians who understood what we were going through and i think what made it worse was the fact that like you feel stuck you feel like you're in a situation where you can't do anything to help but because we live in a western world where things are constantly going on you still have deadlines to meet you still have like projects to do you still have assignments to get done some of us even have work some of us have stuff that we're supposed to be taking care of so it's like can i just breathe like i'm having this like you know like panic attack like so much is going on there's nothing i can do but this society still expects so much from you and i think that's where our McMaster community kind of comes into play with roles and understanding that there's times that students are going through certain things that they can't necessarily uh just turn their eyes away from and it affects them in more ways than not like not everyone is high functioning where they can be at a bad place mentally and still be able to get you know things done so yeah thank you very much i also wanted to add a point to the parent issue really we have to understand that they've come from a lifestyle where they've only known hard work and working hard they didn't have moments to think of their if if they're feeling okay if they're sad it didn't matter they still had to go out there and work to provide for their children to provide for that so um, an explanation to why African parents are often like that is because they they don't they've never seen anything like that. So the only connotation they can have to it is that it's from the devil or it's evil, it's that. And uh, sometimes uh, comfort, just the very the very availability of comfort that we have in Western society, can open our eyes to these things. So we don't have to worry about. Um, I don't know, walking out in the street and being stopped by a policeman or NSARS or a SARS um, personnel, right? And then we can, that, that, we don't have that burden on our minds. That alleviation now brings an inward, an inward observation. And then you notice that, okay, but I still feel sad at certain times and it's not caused by stuff like that. And then you realize, over time that maybe it's depression, maybe it's this. And yeah, so some of some of the reasons why parents are like that because they don't have that notion, they don't have that time for breathing to just like relax the comfort. And that's another thing I wanted to point out that a lot of us in the Western society, we might not have life as perfect as we would like it to, but we still have comfort. I remember walking on the streets of um my home <laughs> i was walking on the streets at around 12 a.m and i when whilst walking i was i was just studying at a cafe and so i was walking back home and then in that moment i felt like oh my gosh like i was like oh my gosh why am i out this late i need to walk fast and then something said to me i was like you can you can chill it's canada like for the most part, you're not going to get um, stopped by a gunman or something. That's that's the narrative I know from where I was coming from in like Jamaica, you know. And so it's like, or pro probably stopped by an NSARS personnel. 
those are the kind of thoughts that you know like will perpetuate your mind so you wouldn't say i would never dream of walking on the streets by 12 a.m in like nigeria or jamaica you know and here i was just walking and i could reach home safe and you know like not feel scared or have that fear hung over me and uh, yeah she also Ebom did mention you know like going online and seeing this news that's my main news feed that and my you know father my father's always in tune with the news so I hear from him but the first time I heard I saw I remember the night I saw the Mekin massacres I just finished class by around 10 p.m. I just posted online actually by that time by the time I posted the the news was already wrote around but I did I wasn't online like scrolling to see so I saw at a later um, time, and then I was reading the news. I googled the, you know, like what's happening at the Lekki massacre, and I saw it, and I remembered. I cried like I've never cried in my entire life. I've had my grandmother um, died; she was really close to me, and one of my friends in high school, you know, died, and I've never felt pain like that. I was crying for a bunch of youth, a bunch of brothers and sisters that were related, but it didn't even matter if they were brothers or sisters, they were human lives. And that's what kept hitting me, hitting my mind. I could not just fathom how the men, the people that were supposed to protect us, they were literally killing us. The elders were killing the children. You know, my notion of Africa and the tradition and the things I hold there about my homeland is that, you know, I always, ha- I always have my parents, my elders, my aunties, my uncles to have my back. They're always there to protect me. Always, always. That's the notion that I've had in my mind. And so to see, like, the, you know, the soldiers, all these people, they also represent the elders. They're supposed to protect us, the youth, but no, they were killing us. It just messed with my brain, my entire core. I was crying. I was shaking. I've never felt, it was like traumatic. I've never felt um, anything like that in my entire life. <laughs> and, and right after, like a couple hours after, you know, I really had to tap into the mental, like how to take care of my mental health, you know, the mechanisms and stuff. And so the first thing I reached out to was to pray. I said the shortest prayers in my entire life because I just couldn't fathom the words. It was just too traumatic to see lives dying. The only the only protection was the flag because you're not supposed to shoot at the flag as a as a soldier of the Nigerian um, government. You're not supposed to shoot at the flag, and they shot them with their flags. You saw the blood, everything. It was just so goring, and. So the first thing I did was to pray. So that's my first mental health um, tip. If you're a person of faith, you know, you should definitely go to that. Another thing was venting. So I called my father immediately. At that time, I was like kind of calm. So I, he probably didn't hear me crying. But it was just like to discuss it, to vent. And that was really, really helpful. And, you know, the next day, as everyone talk about we had to go back to school. I still had to be there doing work and every like bits of minutes of the day, my mind would go on it. It was really, it really took strength 
because at the, the night I was just weak thought. I remember I woke up the morning, I was just in my bed, did not move. I was just like thinking, thinking, you know, like what the heck is going on? Like, is this really life? Is it really life? And it, I just had to, because there were still quizzes done, this doing. And I think it's really important that our schools, you know, the master community need to make available resources um, for students that go to traumatic traumatic incidents. Now we have our wellness centers that offer, you know, um, group meetings and stuff, but there should also be provisions for uh, like, if you need if you need time off school, it can be also provisions for that to, you know, help us as Africans and as individuals that often come across these issues. Thank you.